Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting Not a Fan. And we have um, these books, and they're quite a task. Andrew put together uh, uh, enough, enough books for each person to have one. And so this is a book we're going to be going through over the next so many weeks. We have uh, some different things coming up this month in September, but generally speaking, we're going to follow this book for the next so many Sundays. And it's really about six weeks that we're going to have this study. So if you, uh, these books are outside, right in the foyer. I think they're right outside the door. Is that correct? And um, so if, uh, uh, I, I think also in our program it has here, do we have the different locations? No, it's not in this. Um, the first message of not a fan is going to be next Sunday. And the groups, the small groups during the week, will not go through the first chapter of this, if I'm not mistaken, until after next Sunday. So you have some time to think about it and realize that this, because it's a limited number of weeks, it's not a commitment for longer than, than six weeks. And, and if for some reason you can't make a, a certain session or something during that six weeks, that's fine too. But uh, this would be something we're hoping that you're going to take advantage of because to really get into the, the message of the study, something that could really uh, maybe challenge your life or, or speak to your life where you're at today. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's very important that you be willing to meet with, us, with others to talk about it and go beyond what the Sunday sermon has. So please give us some thought and prayer and, uh, and um, consider taking a book that's out there in the foyer after the service today. Okay? Also, I just wanted to make sure that uh, you men understand that there's a men's retreat coming up, and that's the weekend after um, Labor Day weekend. So not Labor Day weekend, but the weekend after. And if you're thinking about, about going to that retreat, please sign up at the, at the Pressel kiosk at the, uh, in the foyer just at the end here to the right. And it's important that you do this right away because we're going to be doing shopping for the food uh, for that retreat. So we need to have a, just a rough head count of how many guys are going to be going. That retreat is one we do every year. Uh, this is our, uh, every year for the last four, this is our fifth year. And we have a home, a house that we rent up in Big Bear. And so we carpool up to Big Bear and we're going on a Saturday, Sunday. And Monday, if you, could, uh, if you can afford to, uh, to be there Monday, that, that's fine too. We'll have, we'll have the uh, house then also. But even if you can just come the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, that's fine. Um, I'll be giving some lessons up there. Uh, and uh, we're basically going to be talking about going beyond our borders. We're talking about as a Christian man, what does it mean to go beyond our borders in our life, different aspects of our life? And that's what we'll be talking about. So gentlemen, sign up. If you feel a little urging, do it. Just sign up and we'll have a general head count of uh, how many people are going up. And I'll tell you, you will gain some weight. The way these guys set up the, the menu, it is just uh, a real enjoyment of, of uh, culinary uh, skills. Skills? Is that it? Skills, George? Is that the word skills? I don't know if I say skills, but there's a, there's a quantity. <laughs> okay? So I want to invite you now to... So pull out a connection card that's in front of you in the pews. And um, if you wouldn't mind filling that out to whatever degree you like, and there's an opportunity on the back if you have questions or there's some way we can be of aid to you. 
And also, I just want to remind you, if this is your first time and you've never received a cup here, if you've been here a few times but never received one of these mugs that say West Covina Christian Church, they're back at the connection booth uh, after service. And so please go back there and, and, and take one home and drink out of it. As you're doing that, um, you know, all of us are very familiar with what's going on in Texas. And, you know, um, we have a crisis care committee in our church. And I just want to invite you, if you have a relative or friend, someone you know that is in the path of that hurricane, and they are uh, just going through, uh, uh, just right now you just don't even know what the destruction is over there, But after you hear about what their situation is, and if there's any way we as a church can be of some aid to them, no matter how small, you know, please come up and talk to me. And we'd like to be very sensitive to anybody, maybe in your family or or in your circle of friends, who might be over there uh, dealing with this this, uh, catastrophe over there. So keep that in mind, okay? If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open up the First Kings, First Kings chapter two. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about. It. We're going to have it up on the screen. But today is our day. We're going to be concluding our study of David. We have been uh, going through the life of David in, in uh, for various, really for quite a few weeks now, and today is our final message on the life of David. So I'm going to read uh, just one verse out of 1 Kings chapter 2. I'm just going to read verse 1. That will be up on the screen here. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. Let's pray. Father, as we go forward and actually conclude this study of a a very special man uh, in your kingdom, uh, Father, we, we pray that, that you have already taught us many things through his life. And today, Father, as we conclude our study of him, we pray, Father, that you will speak to our hearts and teach us your lesson for us today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, um, I hate death. I really do hate death. Uh, and, and when I think about it, it's almost kind of, weird for me that I've, I've had so much contact with death in the ministry. I've done so many funerals. Uh, I, um, matter of fact, just, just not long ago, I went uh, to Rose Hills, uh, the, the large cemetery over there in Whittier, and I went into Gate 10. Gate 10 in an area called the Cherry Blossom area, and I, uh, I spent about an hour just walking around in that area, and it and it just reminded me of all the, the deaths that I have been a part of in doing services for families and loved ones. Um, but uh, it, it, all, it just also triggered in my heart just how much I hate death. Um, I remember very vividly uh, when my first dog died. You know, I, I remember very vividly uh, when my grandmother tried to climb into the casket of my grandfather during the, uh, the, the funeral service. 
I remember very vividly uh, when I got the phone call from Valmir, who is the caregiver of my father, who gave me a call three weeks ago uh, on a Saturday, telling me that my father had gone home to be with the Lord. You know, I, I hate death. There's, there's, when we think of death, that sorrow that's attached to it, that, that, that upheaval of life, the, the, those drastic changes that take place uh, in the lives of the people around that person who is no longer with us. That feeling of loss, and many times it just feels like you've just had something ripped out of you, and there's a certain, almost like a hollowness in you. And, and for many people, when they think of death, they think of death as being so final. But we know it isn't. We know it isn't. Nine hundred and sixty years, nine hundred and sixty years before the Magi went to welcome the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, King David, who was a realist, died at the age of seventy. Understanding that death is not the end, but for him it was the passing of the baton of life. Death to King David was a passing of the baton. So this morning, we want to conclude our study of David and find out how he, on his deathbed, spent his last moments on this earth as he spoke to his son, Solomon. So let's go back to our text, 1 Kings chapter 2. And we're just going to look at a, a, a very, very few verses here, just four verses. So if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Kings chapter 2 again. And let's look at verse 1. Verse 1. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. What in the world is a charge? When we look up what the definition is, it is a task. It is a duty. It is a responsibility being communicated to someone. And in this case, here we have a father who has been reigning as king for 40 years, and now knowing that his son is going to be taking over the throne, he is char giving a charge to his son, Solomon, uh, knowing what lies ahead for him. It's powerful. What we're reading here is, is a deathbed um, uh, wishes and, 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 and in some ways a testimony of his life. It's his last words. It's a bedside uh, uh, just kind of instruction for his son. You can imagine how powerful that is. You know, my, my dad's life was certainly a, a very positive example for, for me, but I, I never received a charge from him. You know, when the God, when I was, I was going through this, and I was thinking, man, when the Lord calls me home, I hope I have an opportunity to give a charge to my kids. Uh, you know, sometimes I'd rather just give them a charge right in the seat of their pants. But, but to, to give them a, a charge, uh, to really communicate what are the things that are really, really, really uh, vital and important according to my heart that I want to share with them. So, what David is about to say is extremely important. To who? To David. So let's go on. Look at verse 
2. We're going to read verse 2 and, and the early part of verse 3. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written. Let's just stop right there. I actually went a little bit farther than I meant to. What does it mean to show yourself a man? That is so confusing in this day and age. You know, guys, you know, you're supposed to be tough and you're supposed to be tender. You know, all these different, you know, what, what is this? When you say show yourself a man, when we look at it in the 21st century, you know, context of who we are today is a very difficult thing. To show yourself a man. The world seems to be saying one thing and the Bible says another word. The world says, hey, a man never backs down. A, a man demands respect. A man holds on to his man card, we can say. See, the world says that, that when, when, when you're ready to kick dirt on me, you better remember that I live life my way. That's basically what a lot of people think a man is supposed to be. Hollywood shows us that the rogue cop the one, is the one who solves the case, the one who goes outside the line. Um, when we think of the financial world, the business world is saying that the entrepreneur is that guy who just blazes his own path. He does business his way. And there's really nothing wrong with this, except that it glorifies who? It glorifies us. It's basically saying that, man, we got it. We can do it. We human beings. It's, 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 it's humanitarianism that's saying that we got all the answers. But David knew. David knew only God has the answer for death. And a life that's worth living. So what did David mean when he said to his newly crowned son, show yourself a man. How was Solomon supposed to show himself a man? We see it right here in verse 3. Observe what the Lord, the, what, what the Lord your God requires. Basically, David the dad is telling Solomon the son, real men obey God. It's that simple. Real men obey God. David's saying, Solomon, if you want to be a man worthy of the throne, God's word, oh, that's a mess, God's word is your manual for manhood. That's what David's saying. I don't, think, I don't think we think that way a lot of times. It's so easy to get caught up in what the world is saying and what we see and hear all the time, but, but just grab onto this, that David, this, this man who had a heart for God, is telling his son, hey, real men, Obey God. Look at verse 3, the latter part. He says, walk in his ways 
and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. What does it mean to walk in his ways? Simply put, it just means to live the way God wants you to. To live the way God instructs. Don't follow your peers. Don't follow your friends. Don't follow what the world seems to be telling you on the internet. Don't follow society. Follow God. Live God's way. This is the way you show yourself a man by living God's way. You're showing yourself a man to all those around you. Your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your relatives, you're showing that is your choice for living. For living God's way is tough. I think you guys know that, right? Living God's way is tough. Think of the Beatitudes. Let me just pull out some of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain. And he said, if you want to be blessed, blessed is this and blessed is that. That translation of the word blessed basically means um, uh, basically means good things to you, right? This is, this is happier you're going to be if you do these things. It says what? It says Blessed are you who are poor, hungry, and weeping. Man, do you want to be poor, hungry, and weeping? Oh, Jesus is saying, hey, when you are poor, hungry, and weeping, blessed are you. Love your enemies. Do you guys love your enemies? I have a tough, tough time even thinking that way. To love your enemies. Give, and it will be given to you. Are you a generous giver? Yes, yeah, some of you are. But that isn't every, everybody. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. How's your critical mind? Are you critical to how people see things and do things around you? Hey, don't be critical, because God, then you, God won't be critical about you. See, these things are tough to live by. See, we know these words are absent from what we see and hear around us in our society. Yet, whenever a person does live God's way, the world takes notice. Because the world is desperately in short supply of truthful and virtuous living. I don't care what news channel you watch. I don't care if you're watching the news on the internet or you're watching it on channel 4 or whatever. News stations are always on the look Look out for, for people who are living truthful and virtuous living. They're looking for stories about that generous deed. They're looking for stories about that honest clerk in the store. They're looking for stories about that good Samaritan who went out of his way to help someone who's a total stranger. See, the world takes notice when we live according to how God wants us to live because it is so different in a good way. See, it takes a real Christian to live that courageous life 
for God. Because God, our creator, he knows how selfish, he knows how imperfect, he knows how cruel the world can be. Yet, God calls all those who claim to be his children to live that courageous life. To show the world an alternative way of living. Why do this? Not all one-sided. What did David say? So that you, you my son, may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. That's a pretty neat blessing. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty all-inclusive, right? See, how important is it for your children, for your friends, for your relatives to walk with God? How important is it to you? See, it was so important to David that on his dying breath, he is sharing this with his son. He may have shared it with his son for, for many years, but he's making sure he's going to put that exclamation point at the end of his life and saying, this is what I see as the most important thing that you can do as a man in this world. See, David could have said a lot of things. Think about it. Deathbed? Oh, man, he could have talked to him about Solomon, man, when you're king on the throne, you got to do this, 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 this. you got to make alliances with this and this and this. Solomon, when I'm gone, you make sure to be a good dad. You make sure to be a good husband. You make sure to be a good king to your people. Solomon, when, when, when you manage your wealth, make, keep this in mind. Or he could have simply said, Solomon, I am so proud of you. But no. He spends his time exhorting his son to follow the Lord. Why? Because following the Lord brings blessing to everything. To it all. To family. To kingdom. To decisions made. Everything. Let's look at verse 4, God's promise to David. I'm going to read this verse, but I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out just certain words out of the verse, and we'll have the verse on the screen. I'm just going to pick out certain words that will highlight what this verse 4 is talking about. Verse 4 of 1 Kings chapter 2, and that the Lord may keep his promise, no, excuse me, Last one. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Let's look at a few words. Let's pick out the word promise. That's a great word. Do you keep your promises? Have you ever made a promise you didn't keep? Does it stand on your mind? Did someone promise you something that they didn't keep? And you really remember that one. Yeah? See, see, God makes promises. All through his word, there are the promises of God. 
And David knew without a, a shadow of a doubt that God is one who keeps his promises. David knew that God says things and he takes it very seriously. See, our Bible is like full promises for all who believe. Promises of what? Well, blessing. Promises of eternity. Promises of prosperity. Promises of even chastening if we live a life that is contrary to his because he chastens those he loves. So promises, that's an important part of this, of this final thought of David to, to his son Solomon. Let's look at the word if. That's really important. What does this signify, the word if? It signifies a condition, that there's responsibility here, that there's responsibility that rests on the descendants of David if they want to see blessing from God in their life. See, there's a hymn, and you guys know this hymn, Jesus did it all, all to him I owe. See, faith in Jesus is an incredible thing. Faith in Jesus is, is Jesus died for us on the cross. And there is nothing more that has to be done that our sins are forgiven and we are looked upon as a child of God when we really believe in him and trust him for our eternity. Jesus did it all. All to him I owe. But obedience to his word is the only way to right living. You see the difference? Here we have Christ on the cross in Calvary, and he shed his blood for us, and that opened the door for us to have this incredible personal relationship with God. But if you want to live a life that is a blessed life here on this earth, a life where you got this personal relationship with your creator, then you've got to throw in that word obedience. There is a condition to it. If obedience to his word is the way for right living. And if you care about anybody in your world, be it your ch children or your grandchildren or your friends or even that neighbor you don't even talk to very much, there has to be an element of obedience to God for them to experience a life of blessedness. Let's look at the word watch. Watch. Watch means to live mindfully. To live what, what Paul would, would say is circumspectly. So in other words, just, you're, you're looking around, you're aware of your situations, you're aware of what you're doing in life. In Ephesians 5.15, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Don't live carelessly. But live understanding that living for God is a daily swimming against the tide. You know what it means to swim against the tide? You guys, you guys do body surfing or anything? I used to do a lot of body surfing over in Newport Beach when I was growing up. When they'd have rip tides, it was a real bummer. When they have undertoes, it was a real bummer. I, I remember I had my eardrum punctured and I just lost full orientation of where I was in the ocean. But when you swim against a tide, it is so tiring. And when you want to live the real Christian life that God has for you, realize that you're going to feel resistance. You're going to feel people who, who aren't going to really agree with you, people who aren't going to really say, yeah, right on, keep going that way. You're going to be, you're going to be making decisions and, and raising your kids 
and, and, and doing things in your world contrary to what some people think that you should do. Watch. Understand your life. Understand to live the Christian life is something that you have to decide to do, and you've got to be very conscious, conscientious about that. It's a choice. So here, here is, is, is David just making this very clear. The last word I want to look at is faithfully. Faithfully is an adverb and not only speaks of living a life in relationship with God and obedience to him, but that word faithfully also implies a longevity, a certain perseverance, a, a, a ongoing growth that comes through knowing God over a prolonged period of time. See, this conditional promise to David is one that David's, David never saw the results about. Really? He didn't. He died shortly after this. All David can do is pass on the instruction, pass on the encouragement, pass on the hope that his son Solomon will be watchful and faithful with all his heart and soul. Because if not, the kingly reign of the family of David will cease. Now, is it important to you? Is it important to you that the generation that follows you is going to walk in the Lord? Is it important to you that the people that you care about in your life are going to know God and be able to walk in the Lord and receive a life that is, that is a notch above what this world has to offer? See, to David, it was like his estate. He shared these words, it was like his greatest wealth that passes on to his son. It was the most important thing he could possibly leave him. Not only to his son, but his son's son. It was the passing of the baton. Let's pray. Father, when we look at the life of David, it was just such a colorful uh, life. It has had everything from adventure, intrigue, spirituality, and downfall, uh, reconciliation, and, and, and transformation. Father, it had it all. And yet, Father, that's how our lives are too. So, Father, we ask that you'll help us uh, to live a life that we will move closer and closer to you. Help us to never abandon you and help us to see the importance of passing on that spiritual legacy to the people around us. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this testimony of this man. In Jesus' name, amen.